Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And returning once again for the fourth duo. No, this isn't the fourth duo show. This is the third duo show, but it's Alex's fourth time and I think Lizzie's fourth time. So It's my fifth time, excuse you. Chet, it is your fifth time because you also you've, you did Death Note and you did Mob Psycho. So welcome That's to the right. Five, welcome to the Five Timers Club, um, Lizzie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am deeply honored. Next episode for me. Yes, next we'll make it. It's all good. Um, yeah, joining us once again is Lizzie Boys and Alexandra Cole. You! Woo! And we are finally concluding the feature film side of our Satoshi Kone retrospective, specifically the feature film side, because there are still Satoshi Kone projects uh, for us yet to cover. You know, obviously, I think it's more or less confirmed at this point. We are going to do Paranoia Agent somehow, it's in the works. It will happen. It's his 13-episode series, and it's pretty essential. If we've already come this far, it's not like we've just done one Satoshi Kon movie. We've done them all, so might as well do a series. Um, but yeah, we're talking Paprika, his final feature film, unfortunately, because, you know, the late Satoshi Kon passed away at 46 of pancreatic cancer. Before we do the history segment, um, what were your initial thoughts on this movie, folks? Just like your, your one or two sentence uh, reaction. <laughs> Uh, well, um, as a fellow folk, I can say, um, uh, my first reaction was why, um, and then it was how, and then it was um, why, and then I held Alex's hand and went, help. So <laughs> that was me watching the movie. And to tack on to that, um, mine was who, and mine was, um, is this a dream? And then it was Inception, and then it was what the fuck? Yes, yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. As one who watched it with her, I can, uh, I can her. her. <laughs> I think my, yeah, my thoughts almost were very similar. It was like, where are we now? Why is this happening? But also, like, I was like, wait a minute. He made a trippier movie than, like, both Millennium Actress and Perfect Blue? Like, that kind of blew my mind. Because those are very, like, psychologically, like, you're just like, what's going on? Like, you know, disorienting movies. And this one, it just takes the cake. And then also, yeah, you you realize you're like, what a fucking hack Chris Nolan is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I loved Inception when I was a kid. Like I was like, that was like, that was my movie. And then just to watch this and be like, just seeing like scenes just completely ripped from this movie. It's basically a total rip, which is so sad. And it came out like four years afterwards. So it feels like he watched it and then got to work straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Four, four years is, like, a pretty healthy time. If it was even, like, three years, I'd be like, well, he probably had the idea way before. But four years is, like, no, nah, you've definitely at least seen the movie, I feel. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the brief history segment. We've talked about Cohen's history a lot, so this is going to be a bit shorter. But basically, um, Paprika, this is, the, this is an adaptation of a 1993 novel, in fact. And Satoshi Kone actually wanted this to be his follow-up to Perfect Blue, uh, but the production company he was going to do it with um, ended up going bankrupt. So Oops. that did not happen. So he ended up doing Millennium Actress next. And that was actually a good thing because the success of both Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress were able to give him a, a sizable budget for this movie. Key, key thing. And of course, he did Tokyo Godfathers right before this. But, you know, he, he was bouncing between projects. Unlike Perfect Blue, which is also based on a novel, Cone didn't immediate didn't set out to change as much as he did. 
Perfect Blue, the novel, is very different from Perfect Blue, the movie, because Cohen basically was just like, took the kernel of the idea and changed everything else. But Cohen was actually a big fan of the novel Paprika. So he, you know, he spoke with the writer of that novel and, you know, was very respectful. Although I've seen some uh, reviews of the novel and they said um, they were not as positive of this film. A ta- two tastes of Paprika. This is from uh, an article on the website Strange Horizons. And this is, I like what this person says. Paprika the novel is a psychosexual drama in which the psycho is tedious, the sexual is ridiculous, and the drama is non-existent. Cone fillets this to provide himself with a basis for a fundamentally different type of work, one that is infused with his own concerns. That's Satoshi Cone for you. I mean, that's, that's a fair comparison and synopsis because the drama never ends in Cone's adaptation of this stuff. Holy crap. And turn after turn. He tones down the sex a lot compared to the novel from just my understanding of Oh my goodness, so Paprika, wow, I tried. I gave it my best. Paprika (laughs) is is, is, um, really spicy then, you could say. (laughs) Again, I gave it my best. Uh, The novel being written in 1993, uh, also apparently... um, the, the relationship between the villain and his subordinate is apparently an abusive homosexual relationship. So thank you, Cohen, for um, removing that portion of it. Holy- yeah, because like that is the one thing in this movie that they like don't address at really at all is like that that weird relationship when it like is revealed near the end, where you're like, oh, there's clearly something more at play. But they were just oh, yeah. like, we're this is we don't have enough time. We're we've got to get to the end. <laughs> like the movie's still got. We only have ten minutes left. Yeah, it doesn't I, explain that subordinate relationship at all. Like it was pretty I, out of left field. The only thing that it that uh, really I guess they hinted towards how unhealthy it was, which I I forget which character it, it was. Um, but uh, one of them looked at the two, the boss and um, Doctor. What sorry, Doctor Morio. Um, and um, just looked at them and went ew or something like that. <laughs> went gross, and I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that sh- that shows what that relationship is. Mm-hmm. Again, 1993. I mean, as someone who just watched, who's seen the movie Dune, that's also a movie where they wisely uh, removed the homophobic content from the original work. So lovely. Honestly, guys, this is my least favorite Cohen movie. I don't know about you folks. Um, I enjoy it. I think it's good. I think it's an eight out of 10 versus other movies that are basically just tens. They're be- they're between 9.5 and tens for the rest of them. That's how I, I truthfully feel. I think Lizzie and I would probably agree with you, yeah. Jack. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, agree. don't wrap me into this, but I, I ha- would say wrap me into this because I agree. The twist is we all agree with each other on this one. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I'm also there saying this isn't my favorite. It's weird. I think for me, watching it, I almost go like, this probably would have benefited from being like a 13-episode show. Like where like where you can explain a little bit more. Like, yeah, definitely. So it definitely happening. required more explanation than what was given, didn't it? I mean, from a visual standpoint, this is like an incredibly impressive movie. Like I, as you know, you're watching, especially all the dream stuff and the like in the parade and, you know, the and all that stuff and like people morphing into different things and the elevator and, uh, you know, the the wall and, you know, the, the body horror morphing and all that. Like there's a lot of like great visuals, but yeah, there's like 
not really a story. <laughs> like it it's, just like things are just kind of happening. That's kind of how I felt too. Yeah. I was like, it's if sometimes these, maybe I'm just being dinky and I'm not seeing the underlayers and stuff, but sometimes I find these sort of dream world movies like i don't know if you guys saw midsummer um midsummer i think that, I that horror midsummer, midsummer. Yeah. yeah that horror film mm -hmm. I, at the end of it i kind of just went things just happened what was the point like it just random creepy weird stuff happened in a dream state and then it was the end of the movie and i wouldn't say this was exactly like that but it it it, it, it teetered on it in my so opinion so I understand like the core themes of it. I mean, obviously the relationship between um, Chiba and Paprika is, you know, a pretty obvious one, duality between, you know, which is their true self, um, which Cohen has of course, you know, done in other movies before. Um, so like, I understand this movie. I think for me, it's not even that I don't understand it. It's more that I, I just can't latch on to the characters as much as I did in his other works, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, this is a yeah. movie like, oh. Like Dr. Sorry, Chiba for me is yeah kind of his weakest protagonist whereas like mm. the protagonists of like perfect blue and millennium actress in particular because i'd say like tokyo godfathers is sort of like an ensemble piece mm -hmm. you know uh the, there you you really felt their like story like in those two movies where here it's sort of like yeah i knew she was paprika the whole time but they kind of treated it as a twist at some point where i was like wait is this supposed to be a twist because i feel like i knew this like five minutes into the movie mm -hmm. mm, yeah yeah no i you know what i actually am gonna have to um respectfully disagree i thought that uh dr shiva was a great protagonist actually mm. i really liked her she was um she had a lot of um groundedness about her but then of course you got that real fun spice of being like oh okay this is um, and I, I knew that quite quickly too. And I was a little surprised when they treated it like it was a twist as well. Um, that Papa was actually her, but I loved that. And then, it, and then it, I, I'm jumping forward as we do on these podcasts, but, um, and then all of a sudden it, Hey, this is a, a movie about dreams. So like, we don't okay, have to keep it We can jump timelines however much we want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that, uh, it, it then it like kind of wasn't her, but it still was, but it was her subconscious, but it was acting freely. Um, I don't know. I actually, I actually really liked her. She wasn't just running around slipping in the snow and going, what the fuck? Like she actually was, you know, had a, she a, quite a layered she had, character. And she had a mission. She was really tough. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed her personally. Mm -hmm. I agree. She's not slipping through the snow. Instead, she's like darting through, through dreams and other forms of reality. And a massive parade, which was... Led by a fridge and a microwave <laughs> and a microwave. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I adored those parade sequences. Like just like all looking at all the like characters and like the you know the different sort of like animatronic elements to it. I was just like, that was where I was like, oh, the creativity here is. The creativity like, was incredible. Yeah, for sure. Everything that they threw in and dashed and spiced into that parade. <laughs> But I think me and Lizzie would both say here that for us, while we were watching it, it was just something nightmarish. Like we were. Just... Oh, every time it came on the screen, I grimaced. Yeah. I, like I oh, was yeah. like, go away. That's terrifying and upsetting. And they all have their hands up in Nazi salutes. And I was just overall very discomforting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's how I viewed it. Like I was going to say like the uh, like those parade sequences, like I don't. 
like on this podcast, I like haven't really noticed like a ton of sound design. Like I feel like sound design in these like movies and shows are, you know, pretty muted. Like they're just like, you know, just kind of works with whatever is happening. But like the parade, like when you like, because I've been why was watching this like with headphones on at my computer. And yeah, like each, I think it like adds to the nightmarishness is just the fact that like the sounds, like once it cuts to the parade and it's just like, it's loud, it's chaotic. Like, it's not, like, a fun sort of, like, Macy's Day parade or, like, you know, a Santa Claus parade. Like, this is just, yeah, chaos. And, yeah, I didn't – I agree there. I was totally, like, uncomfortable every time it was shown. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. Like, it's it, – you were just uncomfortable when mm-hmm. it came on the screen, which I am – I am sure that was the point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even, like, the frogs. Like, there was the frogs, and they're, like, playing music, but the music's kind of distorted, and then you've got, like – Okay, you know, no, but I thought the frogs added a bit of a cute factor. They made me feel a little less uncomfy. I can't okay. agree. Mm. So I, yeah. I can't concur with you there, Alex. So you know what? Every single aspect, I went, no, thank you. That's, like, just, like, I, that's what I just kept saying to the screen <laughs> when we were watching. No, thank you. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for this suggestion. I'm going to politely decline. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't want this on my screen. <laughs> but anyway, visually, and yeah, I actually hear what you're saying. I didn't think about it, about it when I was watching it, to be honest, but that sound design, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the visually and um, just the score and everything is fantastic. I mean... I'm so sorry. I didn't agree. <laughs> when I you didn't love it? it? You no. Love no. Like, no. So oh, I love, I'm I love the music. Right now. I love She's the music. in deep disapproval. <laughs> like, it's just, well, <laughs> Well, it, but this, it, it, you know, this is what we do it, here. We have discussions, right? I, yeah, I, no, I guess everyone just got to be honest, right? Like, yeah, I feel we have to, that, that's what makes this interesting. That's I'm, why I'm, I'm here. I'm not speaking of like the marching theme. I'm, I'm speaking of kind of the theme where um, we first. Oh, oh, yes, we know. The kind of like okay. digital dance theme. Yeah. yeah. Dance I, theme, I don't know. I, it's, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely it, not. It's got <laughs> such a dream feel, though, to me. I don't know. That's it, like does. Such a, it does. It does. It does. But I, uh, again, every time it, it came on, I, I as soon as it started playing, oh my god, I sound like such an asshole. Whatever. As, as soon as it started playing, I went. I literally went. What is this? Turn it off. I went. <laughs> we tried dancing to it a little bit we to did. just offset it a little bit, but it just it just was not. It was Mal- not a vibe. It was Malcolm, a vibe. You're- okay. Malcolm, you're better with music uh, genres than me. What do you think that? theme kind of sound like because i sucked it i mean i would have said synth but i don't think that's it uh yeah i mean uh <laughs> i don't know i guess yeah if, we, if i'm the music guy we're in trouble but yeah, uh, <laughs> but i would say yeah i for me it, it yeah i guess it's sort of a weird like synth meets like japanese edm almost like i don't yeah. know Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm just going back right now and like listening to it as we're like talking about it. There, it feels very like uh, dance, dance revolution. Yep, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. But bad dream version. But but yeah, bad. I think for me, I liked the sequence like visually more of like Paprika kind of going around and dodging people in these dreams. Yeah, Uh, you have like this this moments where it's like there's mirrors and you could see her like move in different ways, like in the mirrors and then like her disappearing into people's shirts and like in a different world. Like I love that for the uh, credits, but yeah, I'm kind of with Lizzie here. Wasn't the biggest fan of the song personally, 
Uh, but I totally understand why they used it. It's very 2000s. This is the yeah. best way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jack. Visually, no, it's all good because I think we can agree visually speaking that scene is fucking stunning. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You can clearly tell that like, you know, this is something that Satoshi Kone probably dreamed about for a very long time. And, like animation wise, I mean, that's the thing. This is a film that certainly is um, more driven by... You know, it's like act. It's like directors in Hollywood with like you know big special effects movies. And for him, for Cohen, this is a movie where he's clearly driven by a lot of ideas he's had for a long time and how to visualize them. So you know, mm-hmm. it feels like you know the the visual elements are driving the story more than his other movies where they're working more in tandem. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand what you mean. Which actually also makes me curious because um, when the marching band dream fuses into um, the cop's dream, Kanakawa's dream, uh, remember he questions it. He's just like, is my head really that fucked up? And now I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, was this all Cone's creative ideas for these dreams or especially this marching band dream? Or was it like a collective thing between different writers and directors and animators for this movie? Was it a collaborative effort of fucked up in this or was it just one person? No, I was wondering the same thing because I was going to I was like, okay, one thing I have to mention during this podcast is, you know what? Hot damn creative. These guys are creative. Mm -hmm. They went there. The amount of details of just weirdness i was like this can't this can't just be from all one man like that's crazy as as someone who has read cone's manga work um it very well could be because these are ideas he he's been he had been working on for basically two decades okay well to be fair if you have that much time that's a lot of dreams um One of one of Cone's manga works is one where um, it's about a guy who gets transported into um, the manga of his own. Like he's writing like a sci-fi manga and he ends up being transported into it. And then basically uh, he ends up, the work ended up being unfinished. So he later came out with another chapter that was published posthumously where his character is apologizing to the characters in the manga for not finishing it. Oh God. It's it's like super super meta on an absurd level, like you know, because he's like in the world of his manga and interacting with the characters. And I um, think that's kind of cool. It yeah, is cool, but I uh, trippy, but mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you have to be smart to be able to carry that stuff out. Like very smart to be able to write that and carry it out successfully. And then to not even give it a proper ending, but then having a posthumous chapter released about that. So again, there's a lot of layers, a lot of layers just to this one unfinished work. Mm. The um, many layers of Mr. Satoshi Kone. Wait, yeah. wait uh, which work? Um, um, I don't have the name for it right now. But, is it, oh, uh, is it Dreaming Machine? No, Dreaming Machine was a film. This is a manga work he had that wasn't finished. It's collected in one of his um, manga collections. That you can okay. Find. Yeah, because it, it almost like the fact that his like unreleased movie was called Dreaming Machine. I was like, I think he was about... was going, If he hadn't passed away, seems like he was... a going to explore the idea of dreams even further <laughs> which is not surprising but again also it's like this seems like the first one where even though this is kind of based on this book um that it just like he's just going for it he's like this is this is what happens when like now he's had all this critical success uh maybe not the financial success that he probably deserved here's the critical success so here's what happens when i'm unfiltered <laughs> 
Yes, and also I just realized something, you guys. So the cop's character's name is Toshimi Konakawa. Toshi Satoshi Konakawa Kon. Is he putting himself into his work? Is I... he trying to tell the story of himself as a filmmaker to the rest of the world through this character in this work? Wow. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even put that together. That's actually kind of blowing my mind right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> thank, thank you, Alex. Uh, nice I didn't work, think that baby either. girl. Nice work. Because um, <laughs> I think, yeah, as, as we've seen through many of Cohen's works, I, I think that's definitely intentional. Not, nothing with any of Cohen's works, even a movie like this where I do think it's a little messier. I think every, there is intent by everything, of course. I mean, Toshimi Konakawa. <laughs> May I state again? <laughs> Gosh! I was going to say, like, the, the one thing that's also super odd about this movie is the fact that, you know, um, yeah, the detective, like, has this, like, obsession with movies. And that initially it's like he's denying the obsession, but as it goes along, it's like becomes this, you know, very cinematic with what he's doing. And it is kind of this odd thing, but now that you brought up this, the fact that the name is very similar to Satoshi Kones, I'm like, oh, okay, that explains a little more. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. It's always hard. It's hard to say. Mm. Dream movies are fucking crazy. <laughs> no, but she is kind of the main protagonist for the most of the movie. It's just that at the beginning, we like. Well, she's in the beginning, right? As Paprika, because like in the beginning of the movie, we have that insane like sequence where we're at like the carnival almost like Cirque du Soleil kind of like traditional like circus event and then he's you know transported and people are after him and there's people with his face coming after him and then he's like you know moved over to like the jungle where he's like you know but who's the guy? Uh, Tarzan. Well, Tarzan. It goes. Mm-hmm. It goes through Tarzan, a spy movie and a romance movie, and then a hallway, which very much resembles uh, Inception. Inception. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first visual. Now, to be fair, in Inception, the hallway spins, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like that you're like. Oh. Yeah, Chris. I like how on the Wikipedia for Legacy, there's just like a one sentence thing about the live action adaptation and then multiple paragraphs for Inception. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, um, wait, wait. There's a, in, in the Legacy part of this movie, you said, so that a lot of people then admit that uh, Inception was basically a ripoff. So in 2009, uh, director Wolfgang Peterson was going to make it. It was in development in 2009. But then a movie called Inception came out uh, in 2010 right. and, made, and made this movie uh, redundant. <laughs> there is no reason to do an American adaptation of Paprika when you have Inception. Mm-hmm. For fuck's sakes. Yeah, it's... Christopher! And I mean, you know... I'm not this- mad at you, Chris. I am. No, I'm, <laughs> here's the what? thing. There's an interesting element with that. His movie is that his like, whereas Paprika goes really like crazy, like it just like it's like out there visually, it's super crazy. Inception is like definitely the more muted, sort of almost like more. Uh, how do I say this uh, without sounding pretentious? Uh, it's you know. Or it's not pretentious. It's that it's like a more dulled version. It's like it's a more digestible one. It's it's a, a straight up like heist movie where this is sort of a heist, but it's also there's terrorists. It's also seems to almost be like 
a disaster movie where people are like slowly being consumed by this device. The uh, what is it called? The D DC Mini, which is a cool DC, name. Yeah, the DC Mini, which honestly sounds like a thing that Meta, the Facebook company, is developing right now. <laughs> like, oh, that's for right. real, for real. Don't like, we love feel- it when that happens? Woo! Yeah. Yeah, like who all. needs NFTs and the uh, metaverse when you got the DC Mini to just you know go into your own dreams? Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, that's Lizzie's thoughts on that. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoy that tech talk. Thank you, Lizzie. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Oh man. Um. Okay. Uh. What? So yeah. Where? Where are we? Where are? Where, where are we? We we went through the detective. <laughs> uh. We went through Konakawa's dream. That was me the dream. whole time I was watching. Just so you know. Where are we? So, where are we? <laughs> so so in this whole like sequence with Konakawa, he's being rescued um by the woman known as Paprika, and then she offers him a card, a business card that says her name, and then also, God, I just forgot what the company's name, but the company she works for basically. Uh, although, you know, a business card, that it's, she gives him a business card in his dream. So already, already we're dealing with some stuff. And then we well, meet... she works at the Institute for Psychiatric Research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very go. generic name. I'll just <laughs> got it. Well, you know, if you're giving out your business card during freaking dreams, honestly, props to that net- networking. That's incredible yeah. work. Yeah, but at the same time, good luck having your clients remember anything that you've been told them. <laughs> they wake well, up, they're like, what? Excuse me? What was that? <laughs> to be fair, it's almost a little less nefarious when you're like, I'm at the Institute for uh, Psychiatric Research instead of it's like, you know, like Omnicorp like, or whatever, <laughs> like most movies have. Um, yeah, so there's also our, our other character, Tokita, who is a, a massive, massive man, just in- absurdly one of the largest people I've seen in a movie. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned him yet. How has he not well, come up? And he's I mean, he's the, so big. He's, he's, he's also the, he's, he's the romantic lead, too. That's the other thing. Okay, okay, well, kind okay, of. okay, he's, okay. He's, he's, he's <laughs> Lizzie, Dr. Left. Chief was in love with him. Yeah. Was she in love? I thought he was in love with her. <laughs> no, he was. No, that was that's the whole point. Paprika, Paprika is in love with uh, Tokita, and then you know they mesh the two at the. I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. They they become. Yeah, I knew that. I knew the end where yeah she's like you know yeah obviously in love with um, Tokita. She, she even takes his name, so I guess they got married. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am here today to take the L. <laughs> Um, <laughs> fully given, Lizzie. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna take it. And I'm gonna take it with a, a little bit of pride. Um, I, 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 oh, I didn't pick up on it. I'm not gonna lie. He is, he is, he is a very large man, and um, Chiba's, you know, she's like, she's at least a nine or even a ten. So you know. I know. Well, that's not even where I was thinking. It's <laughs> just I, my brain, I guess, was too dazzled by the fucking parade. Yeah. I, yeah. Normally, <laughs> I watch movies very analytically. I promise. And most of the time, when you just see a, someone being an asshole to someone else, you don't really think, "Oh, yeah, that person's in love with that person." Yeah, but I'm an actor. Like I should have known the layers. It's and, like. And also, when the other person's innermost thoughts are in the form of another character with their own, you know, dialogue, then that's in the whole another layer. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. You know, we love them layers, baby. Uh, you know, like a nice uh, Neapolitan ice cream, baby. Delicious, bitch. Yeah. Because, like, the way we find that she was in love with him, it's like this, like, kind of sensual, 
like it's very nice where he she like lays her head on his like belly, belly? or something. I was like, I wasn't sure what part of the body it was. It was kind of framed weirdly, but it's supposed to. I feel like that's supposed to be the moment where it's like, no, she's actually in love with him, and he's going to, uh, or she, you know, they're going to end up together. Kind of cute, that, kind of funky, kind of fresh. Yeah. And then, like, because, like, at the end, there's also, like, the we see that apparition of, like, her, like, the, which is a scene earlier in the movie where he's, like, seemingly stuck in the elevator. Mm-hmm. But it's really, Ooh, I guess. Yeah. But it's, like, that, man, the timeline is so crazy to this because he's, like, oh, I'm stuck. But then in the dream and the parade sequence, He's like crushed against the wall, and that's why he seemingly is stuck in the elevator. Because I was like, okay, he can't be so fat that he like got himself into this elevator. Now he can't get out. Like it seemed like there was something else happening. That seems yeah. to be the case. But even then, I was like, I don't even think my six hundred pound life is showing stuff like this. <laughs> people stuck in elevators. Was, and no, I've watched a lot of my six hundred pound life. <laughs> it was. I'm a, I'm a TLC stan. <laughs> and I think in this instance, uh, also discussing the parallel of the elevator and the parade scene, the elevator in this movie is uh, symbolic of the different levels and layers of dreams that people have, right? So he's in a bind. He's stuck and trapped in this dream, and she's pulling him out of the dream, right? Oh, uh, yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That's that that. Um, I should have picked up on that before this moment. You know what I should have picked up on, Malcolm? That they were in love. <laughs> so you know what? It's okay. You can, you can take a seat. It's all right. Take I'm... a seat on the L bench. All right. Yeah, I'm on the L train as well. Um... Toot, toot. It's almost as if this movie requires more than one viewing to understand. I think so. Well, apparently Alex has got it all figured out, guys. No, no it's fine, guys. So... Don't put me in the spotlight, please. Oh, man. <laughs> where do we go? I'm just going to jump around. I really like the sequence where um, the the chief of staff, where we have his dream. Uh, and we this is like our first example of seeing what happens when um, the people whose dreams are being invaded and they get like infected by the machine, where he's just like, you know, he starts off just like babbling and, you know, his babbling gets more and more absurd. And, you know, he does he does the funny salute. Uh, before jumping out of a window. <laughs> okay, so me and Lizzie were so confused at that part. I, I swear laughing. to God. I was crying laughing. I was, I wasn't sure whether the translations had like gotten trolled by someone and hacked on YouTube. <laughs> and like all of a sudden everything was just completely off. I was like, I, is this actually happening? Is this what pretty, he's actually saying? It was pretty great though, the way they did it. They just slid it right in there. All of a sudden he's like, and uh, the refrigerator is leading the band where the frogs will take us to to the end of the world or you know what i can't yeah i can't quote it obviously it's, it's, but yeah. it was it, that was really well done but i just i just kept looking at alex and going so i'm so sorry Can you please repeat that <laughs> <laughs> i definitely went back and like you know and rewatched certain sequences just to be like mm-hmm. okay did i get this does, does this make sense to me yeah I mean, you know, if someone is having even just like a psychiatric episode or something like that, that's kind of how it starts. It starts, it, you know, it isn't instant. It's, you know, there is a ramp up before you realize, oh, wait, this person is, you know, um, not on this planet anymore. So I, th- yeah. I thought that a was a psychotic well episode, psychotic episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, so I mm-hmm. thought that was like realistic and, you know, because it is your 
at first being like, wait, is he like, is he saying something brilliant and I'm just not getting it or wait. And then, you know, it builds to absurdity. Yeah. Like there are several characters that kind of do that where they go insane and say just sort of nonsense things. There's those two like scientists who are like almost talking like they're selling products, like on like one of those infomercial channels, like the shopping channel. You Mm. remember like she, the one, there's the one woman she's like talking on like her, like, stiletto and then the other guy is just sort of i don't know he's got like some sort of weird like makeshift uh i don't i don't want to say spear but it was just almost like a cane i don't know it's hard to describe like you have to see it (laughs) (laughs) you remember this though yeah the two people that march through their uh offices yeah 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 oh yes down the hallway another hallway yeah that's what we're thinking of and then all of a sudden they bloodied everybody and that was that was pretty nasty um yeah and then and then wasn't this i couldn't tell if this was in a dream or if this was reality where there were people who were like yay let's go and then they just all dive bombed off of a building like they were swimmers diving do you remember that yeah that was dream that was when the world was dreaming yeah 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 yeah, yeah. good time yeah lizzie's talking about uh the uh, near near the the ending yeah when all the office guys are like happily like lined up on top of a building and they all happily teeter off one by one (laughs) you're like are these all actually committing suicide or are we dreaming like what's going on yeah some real bright uh themes by satoshi kone Uh thank you (laughs) do we have anything to say about the villain because i didn't really buy the villain's plot he didn't have much depth at all in my opinion no he's just like (laughs) oh i don't like i mean isn't he like the head the head of the company but he wants to ban the machine because dreams need to be protected or something but also like you're the head of the company so couldn't you have just not commissioned the machine to begin with i don't know yeah, yeah well, and he it, wants it, to protect the dreams but he also wants to like like he wants to keep them pure but then he uh, also wants to like unpurify them by controlling them and taking over the world like it doesn't really make sense and then no. the only thing that were that kind of made sense but it was so weak was the fact that he wanted to walk again like it was a weak um uh what's the word motive is what i mean for the for all of that storyline i thought maybe it was going to turn into something like he's not actually the villain there's something bigger which is the dream itself is the villain or something um which it didn't quite turn into so i i yeah i also didn't entirely buy that that villain but oh well no it's a we yeah he's a bad villain like that's the thing it almost felt like near the end they're like oh shit we need to like have a villain to kind of explain what's going on and so they were like well we'll just have this guy that we've kind of seen just turn out to be the villain and like you said it this doesn't it doesn't hit the way i want it to jack um do you know if in the books uh or sorry in the book that uh the villain is a little bit of a stronger character with a bit more of a storyline or um, like I said, he has a he has an abusive homosexual relationship with his uh, right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so homophobia—that's what's present in the novel. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I uh, know. So that that's not that homeo- Not that homophobia is cool, but like you know, just no, like- <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's 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 cool that Satoshi Kon was wise enough to excise um the bad parts. Doctor Osanai, uh, I felt like. They should have just made him the villain, like where it's like he's the guy who like is like obsessively in love with Chiba, and obviously Chiba won't, you know, those feelings aren't mutual. 
And so, like, I felt like if they had just kind of gone down that route of just like, that oh, would have been a stronger motive than he, this random dude that just wants to walk again in his dreams. I don't he know. wants Paprika with like every ounce of his being, but she won't, you know, she won't fall in love with him. Like that felt like more of a would have worked a little better, in my opinion, than what they ended yeah. up doing. Um, yeah, but one of the I think something that was um since we're talking about his character, um holy crap, that scene where he's reaching into her and his hand is going up. First of all, beautifully drawn. But I was like, oh my god, that has got to be the highest level of um of what's the word I'm looking for? Rapiness. Rapiness. Oh, yeah. Like it doesn't get any worse than that. It was super disturbing, but also just like super well done. Yeah, that was like, yeah, probably one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen on like covering shows and movies for this podcast. I was like, yeah, holy yeah. crap. Like it just like, I was like kind of sweating. I was like, holy shit, they're actually kind of going for it. There's that yeah, like yeah. the rapiness factor of like, because before that, you know, he's kind of like running his fingers along Paprika's body. And like, she's obviously like, you know, tied down or like not tied down, but obviously she's got like these needles that are like pinned down like a like a butterfly she's literally pinned down like Mm -hmm. uh and yeah and then when it becomes that body horror of like ripping that skin off and like i was just like holy crap i was like i was like i'm I'm glad it wasn't just a rape scene like i'm glad like it wasn't that but but it was as close to it as you could (laughs) without it being 911 911 yeah it was a real violation that's the word i was looking for that's the word i was looking for they they um displayed that like very 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 well it's very very creepy Mm mm-hmm Let's talk my favorite character. I guess it's a spoiler, but there's only like five characters in this. So uh, Konakawa, I, I just love what's going on with him. Um, Satoshi Kon, he loves the movies. Um, not a huge shock from a filmmaker, but this whole arc of like Konakawa saying he's not into movies. And then, you know, you get deeper into his psyche and you realize his past. Um, that just hits me. You know, I'm a person who's, you know, you know, I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast uh, during our millennium actress episode, just my own, uh, you know, what's the word? It's not midlife crisis, but you know, it's turning 30. You're just like, okay, you know, quarter life crisis. Quarter, yeah. Quarter life crisis. I don't know. Maybe I'll live to 120. That'd be dope. Um, <laughs> that'd be dope. I'd be down, you know, as long as, you know, I can move and stuff. But, um, but no, what was I saying? Again, you know, I'm in this kind of position where, you know, I'm, I'm still pursuing the arts. I'm still auditioning for things, but it's no longer. And this is probably a healthy thing. It's no longer um, what I require to validate myself, if you know what I mean. I'm just like, yeah. okay, okay, well, this is something I do. I go out for it. I do my best. Maybe I could work harder on it, but I'm just, you know. But yeah, it's, I'm just in a different position in life uh, where I, than I was where I would say like, you know, 25 or 20. So, you know, I relate very much to Konakawa's whole um, denial and then, um, uh, what's the word? Resurrection? Con- yeah, resurrection, rediscovering his love for movies and just the reveal that, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's a touching thing that, you know. So basically Konakawa denies he's into movies, even though all his dreams are literally involving films so it's pretty pretty obvious what his denial is and um he's constantly going to these two bartenders in his dream who in the japanese um language version are voiced by satoshi kone he voices both bartenders the bartender website was kind of cool like i like i know it's like a 
obviously 2000, so VR technology wasn't really a thing, but I do like that they kind of treated it as VR, like mm-hmm. for that era. Like it just like, there's that kind of cool, like I love the kind of cool sort of speakeasy vibe of the bar. And like, yeah. but, and also the fact that those bartenders turned out to be like helpful characters. They turned like out to be real fucking G's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That surprised me because I just assumed they were just virtual, but obviously they're, you know, partially real. Unless there are, you know, apparitions in the dream itself, but I don't think they were. Like, I think they were real people. It's a mindfuck. <laughs> but I feel like they're not real. I feel like they're just existing on the plane of internet and dreams. I don't think they ever actually materialize in real life. That's that's what I felt too, Alex. Um, but yeah, that makes so we- most that makes the most sense. That's kind of where I was thinking. But I also once they entered like the dream and helped, I was like, oh, is there a third part to this where it's like also internet like? creations are also can actualize in this world because i guess in theory they are you know manifestations of dreams like if you start you know if you're part of this you know fantasy of like oh the online game or the online thing you're a part of like and when you dream about it is that real is it real when you're interacting with the screen (sighs) man Malcolm. So, <laughs> Malcolm's going too deep. I'm, yeah, I'm going to get him out of the dream. Get me out! I got. I'm on the elevator. I'm 17th. Wake up, Malcolm! <laughs> ah! I'm fighting the shadow <laughs> man that that Jack dreamed up when we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't visited him yet, so I guess I excised him by talking about it. So that was good. Oh, oh. you haven't had another uh, visit from the shadow man that you strangled. No. No. That's great, Jack. Congratulations. No, no. Yeah. Uh that's I guess that's what it all is. Therapy yeah, talking yeah. about it. That's that's the only way to do it, I suppose. Therapy, baby. Therapy. Um so just to summarize it uh, more articulately, you now they got my notes out. So in the bar, Konakawa, he's talking about he how he made a movie when he was 17, and that's why the number 17, which pops up constantly in his dreams, means so much. And this movie is about a cop chasing his former partner. And it re- reflects his relationship with his best friend. And he ended up not finishing the movie. He, Kanakawa, didn't finish the movie. But he let the friend do it instead. But his friend got sick and died right before he could go to film school. So he's got a lot of guilt over this. And then, uh, you know, again, that's just, you know, I've had dreams where I vent to people about my own stuff, you know. So I'm just like, you know, you have that kind of self-therapy you're doing um, in your psyche, you know what I mean. So I very much related to this sequence of him talking to the bartenders, you know. I almost started crying when his friend popped up in a reflection and said you so, did nothing wrong. There we go. That's that was the- a sad, that was a, that was a great, like, part of, the, like, the ending. That was a sad ending, but I was like... That was yeah, good. and he almost started crying. Yeah, and he tells him uh, he tells Konakawa he didn't do anything wrong, and that he got to live out his movie in real life, a reality created from fiction. And then he tells him to always remember that. So, my God, a reality created from fiction—that's just fuck. I mean, isn't that what the movies are all about? And ideas and dreams. Hello. I don't got more to say about that. So Toshi Cone fucking oh, nailed it. I thought you had more. I thought you were no, like about like, to go on a rant. <laughs> no, it's perfect. What else could I add to that? Like quote, it's just amazing. Okay. Oh, that was a quote. That's a quote. Yeah, that's from the movie. Oh. That's what. Oh, from the movie. Me. I thought you were t- quoting Satoshi no. Cone on top no. of that. I was like, I thought no. he was like had an he interview wrote- where he said this, and then he also then put that in the movie. Malcolm's well, pretty far along in the L train today. 
Yeah, I'm on, I'm on yeah. If, if, if he wrote the movie and a character says it, therefore it's a quote from him, if you know what I mean. Wouldn't oh, yeah, you agree? Yeah, fair. Can't deny that. Isn't all doesn't all fiction come from the author? Uh, I don't know. Anyways, or does it come from reality, it's, which comes from fiction? Yeah. <laughs> and are dreams more real than reality? <laughs> see, see, this is again. I think this movie doesn't land as emotionally as Cone's other films. But um, just to throw some shade at Christopher Nolan, I do think. That this film does land more emotionally than Inception, at the very least. You know, you know what I found in this movie in comparison uh, to the other Satoshi Kon movies, and I said this to Lizzie, is there is very, very, very little comedic relief in this movie. In the other Satoshi Kon movies where there is serious drama, there is some form of comedic relief just kind of to keep things light and, and energetic and chugging along. But this is just drama after drama after drama. Can you think of any characters really or any like scenes where you actually like were focused on the laughs that you were getting no I mean, did no per- did right? perfect you have any laughs though <laughs> oh hells yeah it did the guy the uh the um the photographer uh, i'm struggling such help <laughs> um the photographer videographer was so funny and then so was the guy who was interviewing um that was millennium actress I, I love myself. So, um, hey, welcome to the L train again. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're getting to Broadway Junction soon. We'll we'll be at Atlantic Avenue in no time. Um, Liz, oh, Liz, Liz, Lizzie, in Perfect Blue, uh, the photographer is creepy and uh, traumatized as a main character. <laughs> I was I was I was listening to you I'm like, say this, and I was just, I'm just like, like Wait, what? The photographer was so funny. It's like, everyone. No. You mean the man who's a sexual predator? Yeah, that scene was hilarious. Yeah, you're just like, ah, <laughs> and they're just crying. Also, at the that same part time. when he's in the elevator and chops up the other guy in the elevator. Personally, I laugh. So, so funny. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, but my I'm I know this was not supposed to be comedic relief in Millennium Actors, oh, okay. but that woman. That woman floating that was across funny. the ethers when she's like an overweight forty-year-old woman. I just can't. <laughs> anyway, that was that shot exactly, and that shot kind of—I don't want to say get its reference, but it does remind me of the shots in this movie where we see uh, Paprika, like you know, darting through the air and through you know different forms, whether it's billboards or mirrors or whatever. You know, I this absolutely was, got that too, Jack. Yeah. It was a nicer version of, mm-hmm. of what happened in Perfect Blue, which was not nice. It was very mean. It really wasn't cute, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I guess again, the funniest part about Perfect Blue is the fact that she's like in a Power Rangers type movie production or whatever. Or a dancing stage show. I guess so. God, I'm on the L train so hard right now. Perfect, <laughs> Perfect Blue is not a funny not, movie. just accepted it. This, this movie... This movie yeah i'm I'm now on sutter avenue (laughs) i'm going into oh my god i think i think this movie has laughs i think you know you you know the dream with the chief of staff is like uh absurd when it's first happening and even then i I guess so it's not ha ha funny it's not you know tokyo godfathers or millennium actresses but you know know. as soon as me and lizzie see dolls in that movie we're just like no ha ha Absolutely no. <laughs> on, on, com- on the comedic scale, it's definitely uh, perfect blue at the very bottom. 
I'll, maybe I'll rewatch Perfect Blue to see if there is a single laugh line, but I don't think. Okay, that's there is. actually fair. That's... that's. And this one is like it's not like maybe haha funny, but there's like you know absurdity that you could find funny or be amused by. I think uh, that's mainly what it is. Yeah. No, there. I guess yeah. That's the thing. This is like more absurd. Like I think yeah. If you're maybe you are you find the visuals funny, but yeah, I can't think of there's there's not like a comedic relief character here. Um, although I don't no. know if you could really insert one. I mean, I guess like the temptation would have been to make Takeda uh, more comedic because he is like a obese uh, child at heart, as he's described, both in the movie and on Wikipedia. But uh, um, but yeah, but they, they the fact they don't do that is you know well first of all just a testament you know to that restraint because it's a you know I think a lot of movies would easily just be like fat guy funny uh and instead this one's like no he's well obviously the love interest right he's the the one she ultimately wants wants to be with um but yeah you kind of think maybe like the you know also the smaller doctor i feel like i think when he has his first sort of like breakdown if you will like when he's like just throws himself off the balcony there is a bit of funny likeness to what he's doing uh, and then when he's in the parade in the forest, and he's like, "Oh, that tickles!" And like as like Pabrika kind of enters him and then expands him until he explodes. It made me so uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. This may be a little much for the podcast. So if you wanna, if you wanna edit it out, you can. I thought she was about to give him a blowjob, and I was like, "Get <laughs> out!" Cut it out now. I thought so too. I mean, yeah, that like I was like, oh, that's where it's going. <laughs> like that's where it's headed. But yeah, no. I was like, round. What does she mean? Something round? Is it her mouth? Take it out. I'm so confused. Take it out of the movie. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead she just uh, uh, went inside of his body and caused him to be a balloon. Um, she did give so- him a blowjob. She blew him up. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a new. It's a different kind of blowjob. <laughs> okay, well. Um, oh, what? God. <laughs> are we, are we, Welcome to the podcast. Got, yeah, we did it. <laughs> We're here. That's <laughs> how we honoring Satoshi Kone's legacy. <laughs> it's just... Oh, no, we love you, Mr. Cone. No, we do. We do. We're just, we're just saying <sighs> dinky things for shits and gigs. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, what else? I mean, there's also like that crazy scene. I kind of laughed because of the absurdity, but also because I was so uncomfortable in the final parade scene where you see like there's all the uh, like the the women and they, they've got the skirts and they're like kind of kicking their legs up. And then you have the other people who have transformed into cell phones like going under yeah, the yep. skirt. That one I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, know. Like, I mean, that was, you know, that's a huge problem in Japan. Uh or at least, you know, or at least it was for a while. Yeah, yeah I mean, upskirting right. still is a, you know, is a problem in a lot of places, not just Japan. Yeah. But it was also, I was just like seeing that, like visualized in that way, was funny, but also it was just like, holy Deeply fuck, actually going. Yeah. It's a part yeah. of that unsettling thing. I think I laughed from like un- being uncomfortable, not because it's like necessarily hilarious. The image of you just sitting and watching that and going, ha ha ha. It's hilarious to me, Malcolm. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> that's really what it was. I look like a madman if I someone like walked in. I'd be like, what the fuck? He's laughing, <laughs> but sweating at the same time. Like, no, I, I, I'm uh, every single time we've for the last three, including this podcast, I've always said to Alex, "Thank God I'm watching this with you." 
because I need a partner to watch these movies. Because <laughs>、uh, I did them alone.、I'm、you'd kind of look around for help, and I, then you'd be helpless I, and alone, and, and yeah,、upset. not a good time. So deeply on the L train. Deeply, <laughs> train's going fast, picking up speed. <laughs>、yeah. You know, <laughs> it's picking up speed, and it could pick up more passengers. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> yes. Great to have a friend for the ride. I cut. You guys said a blowjob, and then I forgot where everything was. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where everything was. Jack got too excited. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're just like, yeah, you don't want to admit what actually happened between you and the shadow man. <laughs>、uh. Oh, Malcolm, what? Oh no. What's left to talk about this movie? I think you guys mentioned the creepy dolls. I don't have much to say other than the dolls were creepy, and you know they kind of set up the doll person as like. An initial antagonist, but you realize it's not. So I don't know. That laugh, though, I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, they did real good with that laugh and animation. That shit haunts your dreams, man. I was like, "Keep that shit inside, girl." I'm never telling a joke around that that doll ever. I, <laughs> I thought the creepiest one with the doll was like when they're being chased by the doll, and then they have to jump through the TV, and they like come out of the camera, and then、uh, because they didn't like destroy the camera. At the like near the end, the doll also goes through the TV and like just kind of expands through,、um, yeah, through that camera. And it's like obviously like the size of a building. And that, for whatever reason, I was just like, that was just a really cool visual. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then when she was、uh, breaking through the glass, I was like, okay, chill. First of all, let's calm down. But that was done.、Oh, the, that was done beautifully.、Yeah. Also, the fact that like. Uh, initially, like、uh, when you see the doll at like the creepy abandoned amusement park, and you have like、uh, Chiba, and she's gonna go and like jump over this little fence to go and like I guess interact with the doll. First of all, initially she's gonna jump over and actually like go to her death because she's actually in an apartment building and she's been hallucinating because the dreams are, you know, are happening in real time and they're not just dreams. But I love that like in the callback when they go back to that kind of scene. Like go back to the dream. She like has to really touch the the railing to make sure it's real. Like and、mm-hmm, she's not、mm-hmm. like dreaming. And I I, I like like love those little moments too.、Um, and again, the the doll was just you know just creepy enough. They are like okay yeah what is this? But I guess it's more of a symbol than it is a person. Yeah, I agree.、Mm-hmm. A symbol. Yeah, or then an antagonist or anything.、Yeah. Yeah, it's the false antagonist. It's the you yeah know, the one we think is like, oh, the the reveal is going to be, you know, so and so was behind the doll, but no, the doll's the doll. And there it is, everybody. There it is. Yeah. Is this time for us to talk about the speedwagon, folks? Is it time? I think, I think it's、so. time. I think、all、we've、right. been kind of jumping all over the map this episode, so we might as well just go to the speedwagon. <laughs>、um, all right, so. Uh, cue the music, Sasha. Speedwagon, 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 speedwagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert Eo Speedwagon. So, for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character in this film. I'll go first.、Um, it's always super obvious with me because I'm not subtle, and I'm also the ringleader of this podcast, so I get to direct、um, where、yeah. everything goes. So it's Konakawa, of course. I feel I feel Konakawa a lot.、Um, 
once again, Satoshi Kone. Konakawa is up there with, um, I just forgot his name, the uh, 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 interviewer uh, from Millennium. I know exactly. If you guys listen to that other podcast, you'd know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So they're both very similar characters who I just find very endearing. Yeah, you can't take three characters no. when you go no. first. Yeah, you, no. how dare you, Jack? That's like having a rating system out of 10 and the being sh- like, I rate this as 7.25. The sha- yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the shadow man has uh, overtaken him. That's the, the dark okay, shape, right? okay, <laughs> so okay, He is okay. the shadow man. Okay, uh, and, yeah. Like Venom. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's next. A lot of tears here. A lot of tears now. Uh, <laughs> I'll jump in next. Surprise. I'm going to choose the two bartenders. Just because they weren't... (laughs) Did I steal yours? That's why I went next. Um, (laughs) Just because they were always great. Like, they always... They drove along the the story well. They they supported um, uh, Konakawa any time that he needed it. And they came in to save the day when uh, the giant robotic version of Tokido was stomping down the street at the end. Like they're just they're just a couple of good guys that are just there for you, you know. As I said to Lizzie, you know, bartenders always coming through, you know. Hell, hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I have to add to that. Um, who's mine? Well, you know what? Couldn't tell you because it was the two bartenders. <laughs> um, so sure, it was the bartenders, but uh, do you know what I can technically do? I can say Pop Popper was because what the main character. No, no, okay. no, okay. it wasn't. Okay. Technically, Dr. Shiva was. <laughs> so, um, is, the Navy, is, is the movie named after her? Maybe it is. But to me, I'm going to use her as I because I can't think of anybody else. You know what, Lizzie? I support it. Thank I support you. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's my answer. Welcome, your turn. Yeah. Well, I was going to also say the, uh, the bartenders, I feel like that was uh, obvious. But obviously... Uh, we've talked a lot about them. One thing that was kind of cool I, as I was looking up this movie after watching it is uh, the author of the original uh, novel uh, that Pabrika is based on. Um, yeah, was it Yasutaka Sutsu? Uh, he's also in the Japanese version, the voice of one of the bartenders. So it's him and Satoshi Kon are the two voices. And I guess that's kind of a cool like fact if you were listening to the. Uh, you know, if you were watching the subbed instead of dubbed, but I watched the dubbed version because I couldn't, I just didn't have enough time before the podcast. Till, uh, um, I think for me, uh, my Speedwagon is, I think it's Takeda. I know he's like technically the, you know, the love interest and all that, but he was also like, he's not like the biggest part of this movie like he he's there but he's but not he is the biggest part of this movie oh. <laughs> you said it bazinga bazinga yeah no so like for me i don't know like the, some of the fun movie like moments of like for instance you know obviously uh he, like that the, the i guess the diner scene is the best way i can describe it when they're at that restaurant and he's just like constantly like he's ordered all this food they're like oh who's gonna get the you know the special and who's getting like the salad and who's getting the steak and who's gonna get it's all going to him um i don't know that was kind of funny i also just liked like the fact that when he was in the dream at the end he was that robot like where it's like his face was like on a television screen but his body was this like old school like 50s like winding up robot um and then also, you know, he gets a happy ending. Like, and I think some of these characters don't get happy endings, a lot of them, but he was one of the rare ones that did. So I felt that was, you know, good for, you know, 
good for him. But also, I think for my runner-up, if we're doing a runner-up, um, is you know is probably um, a detective, um, his like friend. Like in that moment, like when it's that one moment where the friend's like, you know, I you know, kind of almost like I forgive you, that sort of scene. Um, I was, you know, probably the most emotional part of the movie. And I was like, that that's great for like someone who like only had like 30 seconds of screen time. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. I could I could have chosen him. Um but alas. It's okay, you chose the title character. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. My favorite minor character may also be the character that this movie's named after. So I can't believe that we forgot to talk about the final shot of this movie, which is fucking incredible. Um, because, you know, Paprika leaves him a message and then she tells him to go see a movie called Dreaming Kids, because she says it's quite good. And at the um- theater at the theater, guess what posters we see? Perfect Blue and Tokyo Godfather. Millennium Actress. All of his, all of his films. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, was surprising. Like, I think there's for me, I'm always with like these kinds of filmmakers. I'm always under the assumption that like they all live in their own universe, that they they would all like play in the same world. But obviously, that's not the case. But I do love that you know that meta factor of just seeing like. So just seeing like Tokyo Godfathers was just like so like almost egregious. And it what makes me sad is obviously Satoshi Kone died, bef- you know, a- you know, shortly after making this movie. And I'm just like, man, it would have been kind of cool if he like had made Dreaming Kids. Like I kind of oh, assumed yeah. that what his next movie was going to be was like the one that like Dreaming Machine, I feel like was supposed to be Dreaming Kids, but there's like just enough of a teaser there that it been like that would have been a really cool thing if he had figured it out to be like okay did Pabrika teased my next movie within this current one and then actually made it but I just think a really really good final twist in the movie would have been if he went to the theater and we saw these movies and Dreaming Kids and he would have been like one for Millennium Actress please or some shit like that yeah. <laughs> final and twist and he's like fuck I don't like this movie. It would be a real twist. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> or what if, hear me out, If what if he goes to see Dreaming Kids and the first shot we see is the first shot of Paprika where it's seen the, the clown that says it's showtime. No. So. no. I'm into it. I'm into it. No. I support I mean, him. Like Lizzie is just like, no. He no. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, he didn't do it, so obviously he didn't want to do it. So there we go. Yeah. So I, I'm okay. But if Jack were Satoshi Kone? Uh, if Jack were Satoshi Kone, he, w- he would be doing other things right now. <laughs> <laughs> this was, like I think we established at the, beginning, at the top of the show, this wasn't my favorite of his movies. Um, although I think visually this is, you know, an incredibly impressive feat. Like the thing is, it's hard to say. It's like, just because I say this is not my favorite one, I still think this is like above a lot of, the movies we've covered on this podcast so far um just in terms of just the execution and the talent uh of satoshi kone and his vision uh you know that said i feel like you know this one has sort of the weakest emotional stakes i think it's a little disjointed i don't think like the villain makes a ton of sense here and i just feel like there are just certain elements to it that just didn't hit the way that in his previous movies it hit um i think also you know that being said um i think it's you know else you know i think it's really great 
uh, that he inspired Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you know, they. Woo! <laughs> so um, I'll pass the, the baton over to someone else. Well, I mean, I, I, I would have to say, like, yeah, give them props for dream movies. Like, that's that's incredibly difficult. And what they did here was very, very ambitious. And um, I, I re really respect that. It was there was a crap ton of detail, especially like like you were saying, Malcolm, visually. Um, and it was really cool to watch. Uh, is it something that I would watch again? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, could I find <laughs> could I find something new in it if I watched it again? Pro absolutely, I'd see the love story coming. <laughs> but I, um, but I, I, I respect this film. Uh, um, I think it's it was fascinating. It was definitely disturbing, um, but it was it was also beautiful in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah, those are those are my thoughts on that. Miss Cole. And I'm going to chime in here. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for my yeah, polite introduction. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so my final thoughts are going to jive off, jive off of uh, what uh, Jack said earlier. Or maybe Malcolm said this. Everything's just blending together now. Cute. Beautiful. Just like a dream. Um, as one of y'all were saying before, this would have really benefited from being a series, I think. Um, just because uh, the like the central plot and the thread of the plot becomes a little bit hard to follow through dream and non-dream and dream and non-dream and all the dramas that are happening and twists and turns back to back. If there was a little bit more explanation in between everything, I think it would have been a little better, a little bit more helpful. But, yeah. you know, overall, incredible movie. Would I watch it again? No. But it was good. <laughs> Um, I appreciated it for what it was and what was created. It was very original and uh, yeah, before Inception. But I don't think something of its kind had been done before. So there you go. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this movie before. So I could say I, ha I will watch it before because I have watched it before. So at the very least, I've seen it a minimum of two times. So there we go. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe if I, you know, um, I'll talk with another person who's like into Satoshi Kon movies. Um, we'd watch it again, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I will kind of talk about this more in our next little um, portion of this talk, but you know, I think as far as, you know, my favorite Kon movies, it's at the bottom, but a bad Satoshi, or it's not a bad Satoshi Kon movie, but a Satoshi Kon movie at the bottom of the rankings is not a bad movie. It is certainly better than many other movies. And, and clearly uh, some other filmmakers were very much inspired by this film and, and loved it enough to make an even more expensive movie than this. But, you know, yeah. I think I think it's a visual masterpiece. I mean, again, I would have loved to see what Cohn would have come up with next. Because, again, he died at only 46. Like, you know, had, yeah. had that not happened. I mean, even this talk, we wouldn't be talking about this being his last film. We'd be like, oh, shit, this is like, he's made four more movies since then. So, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a real bummer. Um, but at least we got Paranoia Agent to talk about. So this is not the end of our cone, cone talk. This isn't the end. But, um, you know, now that we have watched all four features of it, um, do you folks want to talk about your rankings? I think the rankings will be somewhat similar, but why not? Just for funsies. Uh, and I'll go first because I'm prepared for this, of course. Uh, at the bottom, as I just said, this is uh, this is uh, Paprika's at the bottom there. I think, I think I have Perfect Blue at number three. And here's a plot twist, folks, because I had originally stated Millennium Actress was my favorite of his films. 
I think after our discussion about Tokyo Godfathers, I think Tokyo Godfathers is his most rewatchable movie. I don't see that as a plot twist, Jack. You are fangirling over that movie hard. <laughs> but I found girl movie over Millennium Actress as well. And like, you know, I fangirled over a lot of his movies. But no, Tokyo Godfathers is fucking, you know, upon rewatch, uh, and I'll watch it again for next Christmas and all that. Yeah. Tokyo Godfathers is my number one. Well, um, I, I'm going to go next because I do believe that my list is the exact same. I am sorry <laughs> <laughs> to copy you. But it's literally the exact same. Um, Tokyo Godfathers, just, I, I, I mean, I guess, like, I, again, I really respect the, those um, kind of movies that are a little, you know, trippier is a pretty shallow way of putting it. But I, I do respect those movies because um, I know how much intelligence it takes to, to watch, or sorry, not to watch, but to, to make those and to write those and everything. Um, it's just not as much my style, I guess, in terms of what I enjoy. Not that I enjoy simple, but I, um, stuff like Tokyo Godfathers, where there's a crap ton of layers to the characters and to the story, but there's something, it feels like I can touch it, you know? Um, and it was, it was a super joyful, uh, but also, like, very human, um, movie that reminds us, like, being alive is a whole ass experience. Um, so I love that. I really liked that movie. So yeah, that, that's that's why that one's my top. So show. What about the uh, the two through three or two through four? Sorry, it's the exact it's the exact same as Jack's. oh same list same list. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, what about you, Alex? Oh God, this is hard. Okay, Paprika's at the <laughs> bottom. I'm so sorry, Paprika. Yeah, I know you were good. But just not as good. Mm -hmm. um, in third, I would probably place, um, you know, honestly, I'm a big Aronofsky and Nolan fan. So the mindfuck stuff really does something for me. I'm going to probably place Tokyo Godfathers in a close third. My top three are very closely tied because I really did enjoy Tokyo Godfathers. But just because these mindfuckery genre movies appeal to me, the more like noir-esque, like brutal, really intellectual layered movies, I would probably put Millennium Actress second and Perfect Blue first. Nice. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I do agree. Like uh, one through three, like on all these lists, I feel like it, it's the same for me. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, like you're talking like you know point one, point two, like difference in my opinion. Um, I'll go now. Uh, number four, obviously, Paprika. Um, I don't think I need to go into detail about why it's there. You've been listening to this podcast this whole time. Um, for number three, I I think I have to go with Perfect Blue. Uh, I, that's a painful one because I definitely really loved Perfect Blue. Uh, number two, uh, I'm going to go with Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, I really loved it. I Showed some of my family Tokyo Godfathers over Christmas, uh, and they seem to really enjoy it. Uh, although the Netflix right now on Netflix, they have Tokyo Godfathers, but they don't have the dubbed version. They just have the subtitled version. Um, so that was it was hard to convince them to get over that hump. But when they did, they were like, oh, this is a great Christmas movie. And it is. I'll probably watch it again around Christmas. Might enter that. It's definitely entering the Christmas like rewatchable like catalog. Uh, but number one for me is Millennium Actress. I really thought a lot about that movie after 
uh, watching and covering it for the podcast. And like, I still think about it from time to time. And I think that's like a big win. I think a lot of the things that I cover on this podcast, like as the guy who doesn't watch anime, I only watch it for this podcast. Like I don't casually seek it out. Um, I think, I think a lot of these shows and movies I've covered are kind of like in one ear out the other. And I kind of forget about them like shortly after covering it, but millennium actress kind of much like all these movies I've thought about a lot. So, and I just like creatively, I was very inspired by millennium actress. So yeah, I'll say number one, Millennium Actress. Number two, Tokyo Godfathers. Number three, Perfect Blue. And then Paprika is number four. <laughs> Coming up in the nice. rear. <laughs> nice. Good list. That, on the rear, that... but on the front of the L train. So that meant... Choo-choo! <laughs> so that meant... Oh, wait. I was going to say each one of us had a Satoshi Kone movie as different one as their number one, but never mind. Paprika was at the bottom for everyone. So... um. <laughs> yeah that would have been the plot that would have been the actual plot twist if someone was like i've been lying this whole time i fucking loved it <laughs> um my whole right, life then. is a nightmare dreamscape and i no longer feel alone <laughs> so all right this is the end of our satoshi Kone feature film discussion um i guess you know it's time for plugs folks you know i'm starting it off so i'll go first uh you can follow me at only real Jack M on Instagram and at Jack is Jack on Twitter. Malcolm, what about you? Uh, you can follow me at Malcolm RJ McLeod, uh, both on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Question for you, Malcolm. Did you actually tweet anything? Like you said, you might. Our last podcast. <laughs> if you check the Twitter account, there might be a surprise from last year. Oh my God, everybody follow Malcolm on Twitter. <laughs> As for me, Alexandra Cole, I can be found on Instagram at Alexandra Cole. That's A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-A dot K-O-E-L. I also have my own website, www.alexandracole.com, where you can check out some of my media. And I'm on IMDb at Alexandra Cole. Lizzie Boyce. Woo, you can't find me anywhere. That's right. I'm nowhere to be found. High five. Gentlemen. But you can find me on IMDb <laughs> or Google. Um, uh, L-I-Z-Z-I-E-B-O-Y-S. That is my name. And that's it. That's perfect. Hey, we've linked your IMDb in the past and we'll do it again. So Good stuff. Good stuff. We should just link all of our IMDb's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, yeah. And uh, anyways... Um, Thanks for so much for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please uh, consider giving us some stars. Leave a comment. Uh, tell us uh, how you feel. Uh, you can. Uh, there's ratings now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hey, ratings really help a small podcast like us out. Uh, so yeah, if you get the chance, uh, please uh, help us out. You know, get the word out there. We've been doing this for a little while now, and it'll uh, help us. You know, keep the mo- uh, momentum of going further. Uh, anyways, uh, you can also follow the podcast at Is This Anime Pod on Instagram and Twitter, where you'll you know get updates on like what we're covering and all that fun stuff. So I think that's about covers it. Uh, and remember, it was all a dream. Dot 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 dot. We're all nice. on the L train. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. L- later, power bottoms. Bye.